What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, the D-Bags bullpen and Toy Lovello blows another, so we'll discuss that game with other transactions recently. Are the D-Bags getting a little desperate? And then why the Paul Goldschmidt trade illustrates how the D-Bags are their own worst element, are their own worst enemy. Discussing all that on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there. You can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked On on Dimebacks, your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. And for today's podcast, I first want to start off by talking about the D-backs blowing another game uh, and this was with the help of both Tori Lovello and the bullpen. They were kind of simpatico in this one because after watching this game against the Colorado Rockies, and I've kind of felt this way for the past four weeks or so, this D-backs team does not deserve to make the playoffs. With the way that they're playing games right now, with the way that they're managing games right now, with the opponents that they're losing to, in the fashion that they're losing, this D-backs team does not deserve the playoffs. The first half of the season, of course, fantastic. We were riding high, but with how this D-backs team has played baseball fundamentally over the last few weeks, pitching, offense, defense, this team is not deserving of the playoffs. And really, it's because of what I've seen from this D-backs, from the leadership, from the managers and the GMs of why this team does not deserve to make the playoffs. Because this game against the Colorado Rockies, game one was on a silver platter for the D-backs. The Colorado Rockies at this point in the season, all they can do is play spoiler. After today's win, the Colorado Rockies are 46-73. and 73. These games do not matter to the, to the Colorado Rockies. All they care about, if I was a Colorado Rockies fan, is just playing spoiler for the other NLS teams. I know caring for the D-backs and recording the D-backs pod the last couple of years, when they sucked, all I care about, okay, the Padres are coming into town. Let's make sure we add a couple losses on the Padres record to hopefully hope that they don't make the postseason. And if you're the Rockies, I wouldn't be mad at all if the fan bases for the Rockies want to beat the D-backs so the D-backs can just continue to spiral down the standings because after... Game one, the D-backs are now again one game below 500. And this was a game that was right there for the taking for the D-backs. They were cruising through most of this game. They were entering the eighth inning up 4-2. And that's when the entire game flipped. That's when you could start questioning the decision-making of a Toy Lovello and ask yourself, are you here to make sure the D-backs actually win games? Are you actually here to Put the best team on the field at all times because Tori Lovello 
is the kind of guy we call him a player's manager because he tries to build a good rapport with the players because part of it is when the players are sucking, he still stays committed to his guys longer than usual most of the time. And that came back to bite the D-backs tonight because Joe Mantiply has been a fan favorite for the D-backs the last couple of years. He was really fantastic the last couple of years. And a lot of people felt like regression to the mean was coming for Joe Mantiply and has hit hard this season. And we saw him tonight come out for the D-backs, three straight singles, loads the bases, leaves the game, does nothing positive for the D-backs. And the D-backs had an option with another lefty that they could have thrown out there because they had Kyle Nelson warming up this inning, and instead they went to go, they decided to go with Joe Mantiply instead, and then they compounded the problem by also bringing in a Scott McGuff after Joe Mantiply. I've seen these two guys so many times this year blow so many games for the D-backs this year, and we talk about Toy Lovello being the personable manager guy he is. Maybe we need someone that's a little bit more abrasive because Toy Lovello keeps picking guys he likes to go out there. And also, Toy Lovello is also like still preaching the philosophy, I think, at this point in the season of saving your guys' arms. It's a double-edged sword where the Toy Lovello wants to make sure He's staying committed to guys, guys who are proven, who may be struggling, but he wants to stay committed to those guys to know we can work through it together. And then the other side of the sword is Tori Lovello also needs to just play his best players more. Kyle Nelson has barely pitched recently, so I don't care how good Joe Mantiply has been the last couple years, how nice of a guy he is. He has not been good this season, and when you have Kyle Nelson already warming up in the pen, this is someone that's barely pitched over the last week or two weeks, you could really say, if you look at his outings, it's always like one or it's always like a third of an inning pitch or two thirds of an innings pitch. Like Kyle Nelson doesn't pitch a lot in these games when he comes out for these outings. So he was definitely fresh enough to come in that eighth inning with two run lead. And Joe Mansplay has to be the guy that go out there. He gets shelled. McGuff gets shelled right after. And it's not a surprise because how many games this, this season have we seen with both of those guys? Really, I probably can remember more, more games with Scott McGuff than a Joe Mansplay of games blown. But both of those guys have done all season. And it's not even a shock. Um, that both of them did it today because, of course, we know that's been part of their uh, uh, DNA the whole season. But also, if you just look recently, two of the last three outings entering tonight, those guys have given up earned runs. And in their most recent outing, both of those guys have given up earned runs. So now, in three of the last four outings for both Mansply and Scott McGuff, you're going to say both of those guys have given up earned runs in their outing. So both those guys are on just cold streaks right now, and it just... Boggles my mind as to why Tori Lovello would choose those guys. You have Cal Nelson, the lefty, if you're going to go at lefty. Or guess what? You could also get crazy and say, you know what? Kevin Ginkle has been so good this season. He's been one of the most consistent relievers in Major League Baseball. Yes, there's a lefty at the plate, and I know Kevin Ginkle's a righty, but let me just trust our best guys. Every game at this point forward is a must-win situation, and we can't play guys that are like based on personality. We can't play guys even based on fatigue at this point. Like you just have to play your best players. Of course, if a guy has eight straight outings, you don't want to put him out there again. But the Kyle Nelsons of the world, even a Paul Seawald, like guess what? If we got to the ninth inning of two runs, I wanted Seawald to get that third straight save. D-backs need to play their best players. Tori Lovello needs to play his best players players and no longer can a Mantiply go out there in a high leverage moment in the eighth inning because guess what this was a fantastic game by Amaro Kelly coming off uh, uh injury uh, a little bit I guess um in his most recent outing 
Did he give up two home runs in this game? Yes, he did. But Merrill Kelly had one of the best starts of the season. You could even say of his career because he did have a career high in strikeouts with 11 with only one walk, five hits allowed. Like I thought Merrill Kelly was absolutely dominant tonight. And then Christian Walker as well, two home runs. Could have seen a little bit more from the D-backs offense considering they were one for four with runners in scoring position. But yeah, two home runs from Walker, a fantastic Kelly game. You're up two runs entering the eighth and you lose that game against the worst team in the NOS. D-backs are not deserving of the postseason. Now we're going to talk about if the D-backs recent moves and transactions mean that they're getting a little bit desperate. But before we get there, I first want to talk to you guys about FanDuel because if you actually want to bet on whether the D-backs are going to make the playoffs, you need to head to FanDuel because football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you get bonus bets back for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. I go there all the time. I do same-game parlays. Every time the D-backs play, I like to do a little Corbin Carroll double, Lord Gurriel RBI, and a Zach Gallen. Uh, five strikeouts when he's pitching with the D-backs money line. And, uh, you know, post-All-Star break, that one hasn't hit a lot, but still a lot of fun to do. So go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start betting today. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. And let's discuss the D-backs' recent moves and transactions because with all the moves that the D-backs have been making recently, I'm starting to wonder, are the D-backs getting desperate? Because guess what? The D-backs should be getting desperate. They are searching for answers. They are grasping for straws. They do not understand how to consistently win ball games after doing so for the first 90-plus games of the season all of a sudden they can't do it once again and with the D-backs struggling so heavily post all-star break it feels like they're getting desperate they're making moves up the wazoo sending guys down DFAing guys calling guys up and I gotta say better late than never I guess when it comes to not playing underperforming guys because you look at the recent transactions let's go through a few of them Jake McCarthy sent down but Kyle Lewis will be replacing him Carson Kelly goodbye you got DFA'd Gabriel Moreno you are the new everyday catcher for the D-backs Goodbye, Ryan Nelson. He gets sent down. Bryce Jarvis, hello. Christian Robinson, once top prospect for the D-backs. He's gone. And then Manny, bye-bye. Here comes Buddy Kennedy. So it's never too late when it comes to not playing underperforming guys, I think. I mean, obviously, you want to do it earlier than later, but... If eventually you understand these guys that you're playing suck, yeah, stop playing them. It took a while with Madison Bumgarner. It took a while with Paven Smith. Uh, eventually, they did stop playing those guys, and now they've done it again with a Carson Kelly, who has always been more of a theoretical player than probably a practical player because I like Carson Kelly. I don't think he's maybe as bad as some D-backs fans think, but I can't deny when I look at the stats, he has just been... Terrible, basically, since 2019. And now, you look at that Paul Goldschmidt trade. 
Dominic Fletcher is the only guy remaining from that deal. And we're going to be talking about the Paul Goldschmidt trade a little bit later. But with Carson Kelly officially DFA'd, you know what that means? It's Gabriel Moreno season. I think that was a very smart move for the D-backs because Carson Kelly had just been so bad this year. And I think 2021 wasn't even that bad of a season for Carson Kelly uh, up until he got hurt. But last year, a lot of it, it felt like just regression and it felt like this year maybe we we're going to see po some positive regression for the D-backs because I thought there was some underlying stats for the for Carson Kelly last year that just showed that maybe he was getting a little unlucky, still maybe had some decent hard contact rates. But no, um, you could just say outside of 2019, Carson Kelly has not been an effective offense player, and that's fine. Gabriel Moreno, for the first half of the season, basically until Carson Kelly got healthy, Gabriel Moreno was a very effective offense player. Maybe he didn't have a high OBP or provide a ton of slugging, but he was like a 290 guy and played really good defense because, if you remember, he was one of the best catchers in baseball at throwing out runners, and then Kelly gets back. He plays a little less, deals with injuries, but now that Gabriel Moreno is healthy and back in the mix, I'm super happy to see what he can do for the rest of the season because I think offensively, he just stretches out that lineup a little bit more than a Carson Kelly does. Uh, I'll, I'll, well, he stretches out the lineup a lot more than a Carson Kelly does because maybe Moreno doesn't hit a home run, but he definitely feels like a guy. Whenever you talk about, oh, put another quality hitter as your number nine hole so you could kind of get a reverse lineup when you get to that number nine hole I think Gabriel Moreno is a perfect kind of guy for that because he's a catcher he's probably not going to bat at the top of your, of your lineup but if he's batting eighth or ninth and he's got like 290 plus potential I think he could do some damage for you at the bottom of your lineup so I love Gabriel Moreno glad he's back Jose Herrera honestly isn't that bad I feel like he's quietly kind of clutch for the D-backs I feel like he does come through enough in big moments for the D-backs. I feel like I can remember a couple times this year when it's like, oh, Herrera came through with a clutch hit. And also, I feel like he's a solid defensive catcher. Like, I don't think he's great, but behind the plate, is he like a Sandy Leone kind of a catcher of a backup? Sure, I'm fine with a Jose Herrera. He's probably equal to a Carson Kelly at this point of their career. The rotation depth, we know it's been bad, and this is like one of the main reasons I know the D-backs are getting desperate because we've told them the whole season at the deadline, you have to add pieces to this rotation because the depth is not strong enough. They didn't listen, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, Ryan Nelson, still not super effective as a starter, and so they've sent him down. I don't know why. Ryan Nelson just can't pitch in Chase Field. His ERA at home is like mid-8s. His ERA on the road is like mid-3s, and combined he's like a mid-5s pitcher. He has not been good against... Both sides of the plate, both righties and lefties take to the shed against Ryan Nelson. It's also bad with runners on. So there's not a lot of underlying positive signs for Ryan Nelson. So it's not a surprise to see why he got sent down. Last year, his first season with the D-backs, really good, looked dominant. Fastball was his go-to pitch. Still his go-to pitch this season, but last year, batter's bad like 111 against his fastball. This year, it's like 411. Like it's been a flip this season. So it's understandable why a fastball heavy pitcher is struggling when his fastball is getting hit hard. And basically to replace him, uh, we called up Slay Chichini already. I probably have not gotten his pronunciation right on his name, but he's looked good so far for the D-backs. Mid-90s fastball thrower with a good slider. He's like the 15th or 14th prospect on MLB.com. Two earned runs over 6.1 innings pitched so far. He's been a starter. He's come out the bullpen. I like Slade so far. I think he's looked decent and promising. Want to see what he looks like in maybe another spot start or maybe you use him as like an opener. Also called up Bryce Jarvis, which is kind of interesting because he's like, I don't know, like the 28th prospect or something on MLB.com, but 
Former 18th overall pick, former first rounder, 6'2 righty, good velocity, can sit in the mid to upper 90s. Only problem with Bryce Jarvis is all the scouting reports say he's not deceptive. His fastball just kind of comes at you straight and hitters are not fooled at all. So hopefully working with Brent Strom, as we say, with every pitcher, right? Any pitcher that has issues or flaws, we're like, yeah, just put him with Brent Strom and he'll fix him. Like Brent Strom's like WD-40 or or better, like WD-40 on steroids. I don't even know what the comp would be there. So we'll see what Bryce Jarvis could do. Former 18th overall pick. So at least he could have some pedigree there. Then we get Jakey Wakey, Jake McCarthy back to Reno. I love the guy. I would have preferred sending Alec Thomas back to Reno. Maybe it's a service time thing. I don't know how options work. I'm going to be honest. I think it was probably just a defense thing more than anything. Both of them offensively kind of been doing the same thing. But at least Jake McCarthy can is going to have like 30 steals at the end of the season. Thomas, I know, plays elite defense, but I think Jake is fine defensively. And what he can do on the base paths for me, I think would have just been a little bit more valuable. But both of them at this point in their careers are kind of the same player. Um, in Jake's place, we will see Kyle Lewis back. Hopefully he could ever regain his regain his form from his rookie season. Hasn't really played a ton on the major league level this year, but absolutely destroying minor league pitching home runs galore showing the powers hopefully he could be a catalyst and a spark plug for this d-back struggling offense maybe we could get some bombs with him and christian walker that would be a lot of fun and then finally christian robinson getting dfa'd hopefully he you know the rest of his career works out kind of been dealing with some visa issues the last couple of years back in the d-backs organization i can already see him getting picked up somewhere else and being a stud for them and then finally I thought it was going to be Christian Robinson, but no, Buddy Kendi is back. I do love the D-backs approach of riding the hot hand with the minor leagues, with the Manny Rivera's, Buddy Kendi's, Dominic Fletcher's, Kyle Lewis's of the world. Like, just call up who's ever hot and crushing it in AAA and send down who's ever cold because a lot of these guys are not Corbin Carroll. If your name's not Corbin Carroll or Ketel Marte, you're probably fine being sent down when you're cold for someone that's hotter. So D-backs, are they getting desperate after talking through all the moves that they made recently and giving a little insight? I definitely do think that they're getting desperate, but... Like I said, better late than never when it comes to stop playing underperforming players. Now, I want to discuss why the Paul Goldschmidt trade illustrates how the D-backs are their worst enemy. Their own worst enemy is what I want to say. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Abada because picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue, you know you're already doing it. So why not get cash back for it with Abada? Abada gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get cash back. It's that easy. The average Abada user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or that fancy dinner you've been craving. Craving, you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Abada. Includes Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Isbada is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Abada by using the code MOB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code MLB at I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB.
Now let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Don't forget to catch every D-backs podcast on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. Now let's actually get back into the podcast. Let's discuss this Paul Goldschmidt trade a little bit because with the D-backs DFA and Carson Kelly, it's basically the end of the Paul Goldschmidt era in terms of the return. Of course, you still got Dominic Fletcher in the minor leagues, but he was like a competitive round B, balance pick, yada, yada at the time. So we didn't even know who he was going to be. The guys that we knew we were acquiring was Carson Kelly, Luke Weaver, and Andrew Young, with Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly being the two headliners in the deal. But now, both of those guys are gone. Both of them were just, I mean... I don't want to get too inflammatory here, but both of them were not good for the D-backs. Andrew Young also didn't do anything for the D-backs. And now, I look at that Paul Goldschmidt trade. It's just going to be another stain on the D-backs front office that is already covered in mom spaghetti because we know this D-backs team and franchise has been cheap. They've been bad at evaluating talent. They've been bad at developing talent. And I want to talk about how... This D-backs team has always been their own worst enemy through the prism of this Paul Goldschmidt trade because they have never been able to build a consistent winner in their franchise history. And you can see why, easily see why, when you're trading a guy away like a Paul Goldschmidt, a franchise player, a player that everyone loves, guy that rakes on and off the field. It's easy to see why you're stuck. I, I'm starting to struggle to talk. It's easy to see why you're stuck in mediocrity when you trade a guy like Paul Goldschmidt. The D-backs only have five. Honestly, every time I look this stat up, it's insane to think about. The D-backs only have five playoff appearances since 2001, and that's including the year that they won the World Series. 01-02 was the only time in this team's franchise history that they've ever gone to the playoffs in consecutive years. This team has never been able to build a consistent winner and again, it's no shock when you see them trade away a guy like Paul Goldschmidt. There was three bigger there was three big reasons why when you research why the D-back traded Paul Goldschmidt because Nick Pacoro laid it out in a beautiful article on AZ Central as to why the D-backs traded Paul Goldschmidt. Three reasons. Money. Let me make sure I have my reasons here. I didn't want to lose my spot on my notes. Money. Goldschmidt's age and the club's competitive cycle. Now let's go through each reason and discuss why it was just a terrible excuse. The first one is the D-backs not wanting to pay Goldschmidt the money. The D-backs, of course, were playing the cheap card once again with their franchise star, and they thought, I guess, Paul Goldschmidt was going to get an insane deal because from the talks that they had with him, Goldschmidt wanted to be paid fairly because he took a hometown discount earlier in his career, and he's like, guys, I have multiple MVP top five finishes. I want to get paid what I'm worth, and I guess the D-backs looked at the market Eric Hosmer just got a $21 million deal, and they're like, oh, my God, we might have to pay Paul Goldschmidt $25 million a year. And guess what? That's what Paul Goldschmidt was worth, and that's what he got. He got $26 million a year, and guess what? That's not even a lot because he's currently ranked 26 in the league right now in average salary along with the Mookie Betts and the Freddie Freemans. The D-backs are so short-sighted. They're like, oh my God, we're going to give Paul Goldschmidt 25 a year. He's going to be one of the highest paid players in baseball. Not realizing that baseball players get more money, basically every athlete across all sports, every single season. The sport makes more money. Payrolls and salaries go up every year. So Goldschmidt might have been a top 10 highest paid player when he signed the deal at the time in 2018. Now he's 26 in the league in salary because it goes up every single season and the D-back tried to tell us that they weren't going to be able to afford a guy with three 
top three MVP finishes to a, what, five-year, $125 million deal? Like, that's what Paul Goldschmidt wanted. That's not a crazy deal. This was not going to be a decade-long deal because the second excuse was age. Another terrible excuse because this was not going to be a decade-long deal. Paul Goldschmidt was going to be like 31, 32 at the signing of this deal. You weren't going to sign him to he was 42. He wanted like a four- to five-year contract extension. You would have paid him to he was about 36 years old. And guess what? At 36, you're not done in Major League Baseball. You still could be... Maybe you're not at the peak. Obviously, you could be in your decline, but you could still be a stud baseball player at 35, 36. Some players that were studs, and not just studs, actual all-stars at 35. Jim Tomei, Mark Teixeira, Albert Pujols. Of course, all three of those guys, two of them, are locked in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Pujols hasn't gone there yet, but he will be a lock. Mark Teixeira might be a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying Paul Goldschmidt's going to be a Hall of Famer, but in their prime, Paul Goldschmidt puts up numbers just like a Mark Teixeira, if not better. So it's not surprise. It wouldn't be a surprise to all if Paul Goldschmidt was still raking at age 35, like he's doing right now. And also we have to, I, I think that we keep forgetting, we live in 2023. It's not the 1980s. Just because you turn 30 years old, that doesn't mean your career is done. We're seeing it more and more in sports with the LeBrons, the Tom Brady's. Of course, those, that's like the cream, of the, uh, the cream of the crop when it comes to sports. Those were the best players in their prime, and they're still the best players, you know, or one of the best players later in their career. So that's not going to be a for everyone. But you're seeing more and more just your all-star athletes playing until 35, 36, 37, 38 years old. And it's not as shocking anymore. Players are uh, longing their careers better than ever. And I think a Paul Goldschmidt, with the kind of game he plays, would have also been perfect when it comes to aging. And then the final terrible excuse, worst of all, the D-back tried to convince us the farm system was terrible, which was true. They were stuck in purgatory, which was also true. And they were going to have to pay money to their free agents in a couple years. All three of that was true. So because of that, they had to trade Paul Goldschmidt to build the next generation of D-backs winning by replacing the farm system, replenishing the farm system, and giving themselves the money to, to retain the players on the major league level. Trading away a Paul Goldschmidt was both going to replenish the farm system and retain the players on the major league level. And half of that is going to end up being true because the D-backs have been so bad with Paul Goldschmidt gone, that they actually did kind of replace and replenish their farm system, not through the trade, but but through the fact that they've been so bad that they're picking at the top of the draft year after year, and that's actually helped this D-back team. But they did not load up on draft picks. They did not load up on quality prospects, trading away at Paul Goldschmidt. Same with the Zach Greinke's. They did not load up on anything when trading their best players. And so their farm system kind of got good just because this D-backs team was so bad. And then the other part of this equation, like if you are stuck in purgatory, how is Paul? How is trading Paul Goldschmidt going to help you? Of course, you're coming off an 82-win season, but you're just one year removed from the postseason. This is a team that can never, never consistently build a consistent winner. And when you're coming off a postseason appearance, yes, the very next season maybe didn't go the way you wanted to, but you're still above 500 team. Add around a Paul Goldschmidt. You have a franchise star. How about you build around that player and get better with him instead of trading him away and trying to restart this whole process. And then when you look at Nick Picaro's article, he actually lays out a list of players that were going to be up for free agency in a couple of years that the D-backs were like, you know what? We got to trade Paul Goldschmidt to make sure we have enough players to make sure we have enough money to pay these players. And these are the players, David Peralta, Robbie Ray, Jake Lamb, 
Taiwan Walker, Nick Ahmed, and Steven Souza. Guess what? If you offered me a package of all those players, whether in 2018 or 2023 for Paul Goldschmidt, I'm declining. I'd rather have Paul Goldschmidt than all those players on one major league team because he's way better and way more valuable than any of those guys. And the D-backs have just been show, so short-sighted when it comes to this deal. And just throughout the majority of their franchise, they have never been able to see the bigger picture. They have never been able to put the resources on uh, into this team, onto the field, and they just didn't understand the repercussions of trading a guy away like a Paul Goachman. They just don't understand the repercussions of really anything they do, and that's how it's always felt. You trade away a Paul Goachman, you don't understand how that hurts the fans who just want to go to a game and root for their favorite player day in and day out, how it even affects the short-term and long-term day-to-day of this franchise. Like, the D-backs have... I just can't take this franchise seriously when they have so many good players walk in and walk out these doors because they don't want to retain their players. D-backs wounds are more self-inflicted than anything. I don't want to hear about market size. Phoenix, Arizona is one of the biggest markets in the country, so I don't want to hear about market size. The Dodgers are a big market, and that helps, but the Dodgers also win because they are a smart organization. They know how to draft well. They know how to trade well. They know who to sign and who to let walk in free agency. They are smart. Even a team like the Giants, they don't go out there and spend big money in free agency, but they know the value of the players in their building. The D-backs have never understood that, and the D-backs are the reason why they're their own worst enemy. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the SiriusXM app and search up Diamondbacks. Search up Diamondbacks on all streaming platforms and on YouTube. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, doses.